There's less than a week remaining in the 2022 men's ACC college basketball season, and there are three clear frontrunners for the ACC Player of the Year race. Or are there? I'm not so sure that what everyone's thinking is right. I'm not necessarily trusting the voters to do the right thing, but I am hopeful. I've got a lot of thoughts about this. No better place to unpack it than right here on Locked on Tar Heels. Let's get into it. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Wednesday, March 2nd, 2022. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, part of the Locked on Network. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and it is a good day to be together. I want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen, and now your first watch as well, every single day. Don't forget that we are free and available on all podcast platforms and YouTube, so please, please, please go check it out and subscribe. Today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by Run Your Pool. March Madness is here and Run Your Pool has a better way to create your bracket. RunYourPool.com, the premier sports pool hosting service. Well, as I said, we're going to talk about ACC Player of the Year, but also the ACC Women's Tournament starts today. We're going to look ahead at what's going on there, get you set up for Carolina's chances and what that looks like. And spring football practice started yesterday, but Carolina didn't have their offensive line coach on the field. What? Yeah, that's a thing. We're going to have to unpack that as well. But first, as I said, ACC Player of the Year, we got to talk about this because it's coming down to it. And for most people that are paying attention to ACC basketball, there are three clear front runners in this race. And those are as follows. Duke's Paolo Bancaro, Wake Forest's Alondis Williams, and Carolina's own Armando Baycott. Uh, if, if you haven't been paying attention to what they're doing, uh, Bancaro, most people believe he is the top, if not one of the top three picks in the NBA draft. Alondis Williams is leading the ACC in both scoring and assists. He's the only player that is at five or more assists per game in the ACC and one of only two players at 19 or more points per game. The other is Buddy Bayheim, who Carolina faced on Monday night. Uh, Armando Baycott, you are probably well aware, but he is leading the conference in double-doubles, leading in rebounding by a wide margin, over four rebounds a game uh, between him and the second-place rebounder in the conference. And that's just silly. So, here's where we're at. We're coming down to it. They're, all these teams in the ACC have either one or two games left. For Carolina, it's just the one um, uh, against Duke on Saturday. And so here's the question we're asking. Who is going to win this award? A lot of that depends on what the voters have been paying attention to. Uh, I think one of the issues we often see is that rather than actually paying attention to a, a player's actual production over the course of the season. They are influenced by NBA potential, by reputation, and other things. And often that leads to votes that don't necessarily reflect the actuality of what's happened over the course of the season. So when it comes to this specific 
player of the year race? Yes. Ben Caro is likely to be the best NBA player to come out of this group of three. But as we know, there are no sure things in this world. Think about, think back to Zion Williamson, one ACC player of the year. There was a lot of question, there were a lot of question marks surrounding that because of all the games he missed due to his, his injury suffered against Carolina. Remember the blown out shoe? Yeah, that was crazy. Anyway, uh, I personally still thought that he was the best player and probably should have won the award, although I could totally hear the case for him not because of the injuries. But you know what Zion Williamson hasn't done this season at all? Stepped foot on an NBA court to play a second of a game. And so, yes, Bancaro projects to be the best pro prospect out of this group of three, but we don't know. And then in terms of what we're actually voting for, I don't know that right now I would take Bancaro as the most consistent or productive player on his t own team, much less uh, when we look at what Baycott and Williams are doing. Think about what Wendell Moore has done for Duke. Think about Keels and A.J. Griffin. These guys are doing crazy things um, to help Duke win. And so, uh, honestly, a lot of the question with Bancaro is, is he going to get canceled out by some of his teammates? Oftentimes, when we think about ACC Player of the Year type races, one of the things that can rule somebody out is that they're not playing on a good team. But all three of these guys, Duke's at the top of the conference, Carolina is guaranteed no worse than fourth, and Wake is right there in that mix as well. So all three of these guys are playing for top-of-the-league teams. And so what we have to really dive into is let's look at the actual stats to see who's doing well. Now, I don't want to bore you with all this, but I'll just tell you that the stats are quite close. For example, as I said, Williams... Alondis uh, Williams is leading the ACC, but Bancaro and Baycott are, are just a couple points behind, and they're very close together. Sixth and seventh in the conference right now. Rebounds per game, as I've al already said, Baycott's up at 12.7 now after Monday night's performance against Syracuse. Uh, Bancaro's way down at 8.3, Williams at 6.8. Baycott is third in the country in rebounds per game. That is a big deal. Assists per game, as I've already said, Williams is blowing Baycott and Bancaro out of the water there. Baycott leads the group in blocks per game. Uh, Williams leads the group in steals per game. Baycott leads the group in field goal percentage. Williams leads the group in three-point percentage. Baycott leads everybody in double-doubles. And you know whose name I didn't say at the top of any of those lists? Bancaro. Points per game, Williams. Rebounds per game, Baycott. Assists, Williams. Blocks, Baycott. Steals, Williams. Field goal percentage, Baycott. Three-point percentage, Williams. Double-doubles, Baycott. Where are you at, Bancaro? Not on any of those lists at the top of them. What about the per 40 minutes data as we get a little more into the statistics? Bancaro falls behind once again as I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the numbers right here on my computer screen. Or even the per 100 minutes, the offensive rating and the defensive rating. Baycott is... is clearly ahead of Bancaro and Williams in offensive rating, 123.2 per 100 minutes. Bancaro's down at 111, Williams 112. And then um, Bancaro, one area where he is better is in defense rating. He's at 93.0 while Baycott's up at 96 and Williams at 97.5. And so when you hear these numbers, here's where I'm at with this. This is not a three-man race. This is a two-man race. 
Bancaro is a distant third to these guys. Yes, I still think he's in the conversation, but he is third, and it's Williams or it's Baycott. It ain't Bancaro. So what that means is ACC Player of the Year voters, I know you're probably not hearing this, but if you are, please look at the data. Look at the stats and look at what these guys are doing. This is not Bancaro, Baycott, and Williams. This is Baycott and Williams. So, voters, pay attention. Now, honestly, I, le I legitimately can make a compelling case for either Williams or Baycott, and I feel like sensible, logical people could vote for either one of them. Reasonable people can look at the numbers and say, yes, one of those guys. However, to me, Bancaro is the clear, again, third option here. And, and don't hear me saying this is a Carolina Duke thing. It's not. It's a numbers thing. That's where this is coming from. So to me, a voter who votes for Bancaro as ACC Player of the Year is being influenced by projection and preseason assumption, not by what happened on the court. We also need to think about AC, all ACC first team. At some point, maybe we can talk about that uh, later this week or, or next week. Now, that's where it's clear these three are no-brainers that need to be on that list. And then the other two, got a whole host of people to choose from. People, uh, Cam Augusti at Miami, Darion Sebron at State, Blake Wesley, Notre Dame, John Hughley at Pitt, Wendell Moore at Duke. There's others. There's a lot of competition for those other two spots. But that's where I think it is a no-brainer that Baycott, Bancaro, and Williams are three of the five on that list. I'd love to hear from you. Who's your ACC player of the year? Who are you voting for? Uh, what about your first team, all ACC? Who are you picking for that? I'd love to hear your feedback. If, if you're watching this on YouTube, comment on it. If you're listening, uh, shoot me a tweet, uh, send, send a message in some other way. Would love to hear your thoughts. Well, while Baycott has been dominating for the men's team, the women's team is getting ready for the ACC tournament starting this week. We're going to talk about that in just a minute, but first let me tell you about Built Bar. Built Bars are great candy bar replacement options which are covered in 100% real chocolate. Some of the great flavors include mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new white chocolate cookies and cream. These are all delicious and new flavors come out all the time. At Built Bar, they're all about taste. They're going to figure out how to make it taste good and then come back and get the healthy side of it going. And I don't know how, but they always pull it off. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories, but most Built Bars have just 130 calories. Go, go look at the macros chart. You'll be amazed at it. In addition to those few calories, just four grams of sugar, only four net carbs, and up to 17 grams of protein. Those, that's awesome. Eat it. <laughs> Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. I want to thank you again for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen and now your first watch every day. And again, please, wherever you're listening or watching, please go subscribe. Doesn't take long. Just hit that subscribe button right there on YouTube. It would, it would be such an honor. And I'd love it too if you would go uh, rate and review the podcast so that other people can find their way to it. Well, as I said, the ACC women's tournament, women's basketball tournament starts today, Wednesday, first round, and it runs all the way through Sunday. Wednesday, Thursday, quarterfinals are Friday, semis on Saturday, and then Sunday is the championship game. Well, before we get to actually talking about the tournament, let's just talk about these women, the women's Tar Heels. They are so fun. What a neat group it is to get to watch. They've had some big wins. The win at Louisville. 
if you didn't see the ending to that game, you should go watch it. Louisville had a shot. Uh, a, one of the women on their team had this shot, like, essentially from her butt at the end of the game that danced all over the rim and just fell off, allowing Carolina to win. But the Lady Tar Heels just keep growing under third-year head coach Courtney Banghart. This year they took a huge leap forward. Listen to these numbers from the past three years. 2019-20, the first year under coach Banghart. 16-14 and 14 overall, 7-11 and 11 in the ACC, and the 11th seed in the ACC. Last year, 2020-21, 13-11 overall, 8-9 and in the ACC, and the 8th seed. So two pretty comparable years those first two years. But then... This year happened. Listen to this jump from 13 and 11 last year to 23 and 5 overall this year, from 8 and 9 in the conference to 13 and 5 in the conference this year, and the fourth seed in the ACC, meaning just like the men's team, they're going to have a double bye in the tournament this week. On Monday, their, uh, the new AP poll came out, and they're up to 16th in the nation, which is the highest ranking dating all the way back to the 2014-15 season for the Lady Tar Heels. They were 15th that season for the final four polls. And so, uh, man, just great growth, great movement. What a leap. There, there is such good momentum for the women's basketball team. The ACC postseason honors have come out, and two Tar Heels were recognized. Deja Kelly who has had a fantastic year, was voted first-team All-ACC. Although, I don't understand why this happens, but there's 10 uh, women, 10 student-athletes on that team. That makes zero sense. I mean, I get it. They're trying to be representative of lots of players. But that's why we have a first, second, and third team. Let's, let's spread that out. Anyway, let's not get on that soapbox. On the second team is Alyssa Usby. And so what a great, uh, also great year she's had. So two, two Tar Heels on the first two All-ACC teams. And, and that's great news and, and great recognition for the year they had. I'm going to say a little bit more about those two women in just a moment. So let's get you set for the ACC tournament. What's happening? Again, it starts today, Wednesday. If you're watching this later, that's okay. There's more great action going on all week. And so, as I said, just like the men, the women are the fourth seed and have a double buy, so they won't start action till Friday. So today, Wednesday, the bottom six teams in the conference are in action. 12th seed Syracuse takes on Clemson, 13th seed to start things off. Duke versus Pitt, that's 10 versus 15. And then today, closing out with Wake, the 11th seed, taking on Virginia, the 14th seed. Then tomorrow, Thursday, we move into the second round. The five through nine seeds get into action. Virginia Tech, the fifth seed, will kick the day off playing the Syracuse-Clemson winner. And then eight-nine matchup, BC versus FCU. <laughs> FCU, FSU. Uh, coming out of that, Miami, the seventh seed, takes on the winner of Duke and Pitt. And then wrapping up Thursday night's action, six-seeded Georgia Tech will take on the Wake Forest and Virginia winner. Now, that's great preamble. Have fun. It's going to be whatever. But Friday, quarterfinals, that's where the action really, really gets going. And Carolina starts off Friday's quarterfinal action. So make sure you're ready. 11 a.m. on regional sports networks. I, I, I don't know why we're not getting these quarterfinals on, on a more accessible station. But okay, cool, whatever. So the Tar Heels as the fourth seed will play whomever wins the Virginia Tech versus the winner of Syracuse and Clemson. On the season, the Tar Heels are 3-1 and one versus, combined versus those three teams. They split home and home with Virginia Tech. 
swept Clemson, only played one game. That was at Carmichael. Same with Syracuse, one and over versus Syracuse, but that was also at home. And so Carolina has played well against their potential opponents this year, but all three of those wins at the friendly confines of Carmichael. The other matchups, the other top seeds in action on Friday, top seed NC State against the winner of BC and FSU. Second seeded Louisville will take on the winner of Miami versus the winner of Duke and Pitt. And then rounding out Friday night's quarterfinal action, third seeded Notre Dame against the winner of Georgia Tech versus the winner of Wake Forest and Virginia. Saturday, the semifinals, that's where we're really getting down to it and that's where it's going to be tough for the Tar Heels if they can advance. If they are, to use a Coach Williams phrase, lucky enough to get to come back and play on Saturday, they will take on most likely top-seeded NC State and uh, lost both of those matchups this season. But what a great opportunity to move ahead, move forward, keep gaining some some positive momentum heading into the, uh, into the NCAA tournament. That game will take place at noon on the ACC Network, and so make sure you tune in for that. The other semifinal will take place 2.30 also on the ACC Network. And then, should the Tar Heels be fortunate enough to advance, the championship ACC tournament game will happen Sunday at noon on ESPN, and so that's a lot of fun, and so hopefully Carolina can make it to that. Beyond that, Carolina then has a week off as the the major conference men's tournaments take place. And then the uh, selection show, Selection Sunday, is the same day as the men this year. Instead, Usually it's on Monday. They're both going to be on Sunday. It'll just be later that night on ESPN, Sunday, March 13th, 8 o'clock. Tune in to see where the Lady Tar Heels are headed for the NCAA tournament. They're safely in the field right now. ESPN Bracketology projects them as a five seed. And so you gotta feel good about that. I think to maintain that five seed, they really need to win that first game. And then anything that happens against NC State beyond that is gravy to maybe move up into a four seed position, but uh, a five seed is great. And then um, if they do lose that first ACC tournament game, they might fall to six. I doubt seven, but they're, they're probably going to land in that five or six range when all is said and done. Here's the thing. Year three, new coach. It's awesome what these women are doing, especially after two pretty similar mediocre uh, of the first two years of Courtney Banghart. Now, to be fair, COVID ravaged those years for everyone. And so coming in as a new coach is so difficult in that environment. And so this is the first season where they've really been able to to get the ball rolling. Would love to see this team make some kind of sweet 16 run. You know, you got to feel good about winning the round of 64 and then uh, round of 32, probably if you're a five seed facing off against a four. And so you got to see who knows what could happen. Would love to make it to that second weekend, get a statement win, propelling you into the next season. And by all accounts, this team just loves each other, has a blast together. You should listen to some of the interviews by these young women. Um, and, and great things are ahead in the seasons to come. We talked about Deja Kelly and Alyssa Utsby and, and, and what they've done this season and, and their postseason recognition. They're both sophomores, right? And so, man, there, there's this core, this nucleus that can come back and keep things going. You know what? All aboard the Car- Courtney Bang heart train. Let's keep that going. Let's go, Lady Tar Heels. Well, that's enough about basketball for today because Carolina spring football practice started yesterday. But as I said earlier, they did so without their offensive line coach. What? Yeah, 
We're going to get into the story, but first, let me tell you about Run Your Pool. March Madness is only about a week and a half away now. That means you need to start thinking about where you're going to be running your brackets this year. Are you going to go for the usual, or are you going to look for the best? We've done our homework here at Locked On, and we're running our brackets with RunYourPool.com. And so along with standard brackets, RunYourPool.com has several varieties, all sorts of fun things you can dive into and check out. All sorts of options to edit scoring, more intel to help you make your picks, all sorts of stuff that you're not going to find on places like ESPN or CBS. RunYourPool.com offers all sorts of great hands-on customer support, custom branding, and one of the easiest setups you'll ever find. It just took me a couple minutes to set up the pool for the Locked on Tar Heels bracket pool. And so would love you to dive into that. The link is in the show description down here. So I'd love for you to dive in, play against me, and let me see how I can wipe the floor with you. And you can also play against the entire Locked on Network for a chance to win a cash prize. And to do that, you can join us at runyourpool.com slash locked on. And while you're there, create your own pool for your friends and family. Enter Pure Madness at checkout for $10 off your custom pool. All the rules and details are going to be available there. Again, that's runyourpool.com slash locked on for your chance to win a cash prize. Look forward to seeing you there. This episode is also brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models of cars, it's nearly impossible for your local auto parts star store to stock everything that you need. Why go through all those questions that you clearly don't know the answers to, and then wait while a salesman tries to find the parts to order? Why do that when you could just get onto Rock Auto and do it for yourself? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over two decades. That consistency is something that you can believe in. Rock Auto's prices are reliably low for every customer, and their inventory has everything that you need. Save time and money when you use Rock Auto. Go explore their easy-to-use website today and find the solution for all your auto part needs. Brake pads, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. Well, Carolina's football team started spring practice yesterday on Tuesday, and we're going to talk more about that tomorrow. Thought I'd be talking about it today, unpacking how the first day of practice went, but no siree, Bob. You know why? Because today's practice had no uh, permanent offensive line coach. That's right. On Monday, the day before spring practice started, Carolina announced that offensive line coach Stacy Searles, who's been Carolina's offensive line coach for each of the three seasons that Mac Brown has been back in Chapel Hill, was going to leave to take the same job at the reigning national champions, UGA, the University of Georgia. Now, that he's he's originally from Georgia. He coached at Georgia before under coach Mark Richt. And so just going back to where he has been. Here's the thing. You, you lose your offensive line coach one day and you think, oh boy, we're going to have to figure something out. And there was news of, of some possible just interim things going on until Carolina could find a replacement. But on Tuesday, yesterday, Carolina had already found their new man. We're moving the carousel is going quick right here. And so news broke on Tuesday that Coach Brown was planning to hire Louisville's offensive line coach, Jack Bicknell. 
And you think the, the timing was crazy for Searle's exit of, hey, it's the day before spring practice and you're out. What's up with that? How about this? Bicknell was on the field for Louisville spring practice on Monday. And then on Tuesday, it's announced that he's Carolina's new offensive line coach. We getting crazy out here. All right, let me share with you Coach Bicknell's resume. Last season, his only season at Louisville as the offensive line coach. 2020 was at Auburn as their offensive line coach. Before that, 2017 to 19 at Ole Miss as offensive line coach. And before that, had had several stops in the NFL, Dolphins, Steelers, Chiefs, Giants. Before that, before he went to the NFL, had been at BC, at Louisiana Tech, at New Hampshire. Quite a resume, well-traveled man who's been doing it for decades now, dating back to the 80s. And so lots of good um, history, lots of good that he can bring to the team. And so, man, it, it's weird to lose Coach Searles, but here's the thing. Sometimes, even when you have an accomplished coach, you just need to press the reset button, right? Like, we, we've seen that happen time and again in college and professional sports. And my, my thought on it, where I'm, where I'm landing on this, is that it's probably just the best thing for Coach Searles and for Carolina for him to move on. He's landing at a great spot at, at UGA, getting to, to help coach the reigning national championship team who's got all sorts of momentum still going. And it provides Carolina the opportunity to have a fresh start after, frankly, a, a really not good offensive line year. Coming on the heels of what was Carolina's most productive offensive year in history. And so while the offensive line under Coach Searles has been a huge part of Carolina's success, think about that 2020 offense with, with Javante Williams and Mike Carter and, and all the receivers with Sam Howe. Single season Carolina records of 537.2 yards a game. Carolina record 41.7 points per game. And that's great. But in Coach Searle's tenure, this might have snuck under the radar, and so if so, let me just put it on the plate for you. They allowed 120 sacks in those three years. That's the second most in the ACC in that three-year window. Behind only Syracuse allowed more sacks, and that was only 121, so just one more. Carolina was essentially the worst team in the ACC at allowing sacks over the last three years. That ain't good. <laughs> we got to keep our quarterbacks upright. And think about this. It ain't Sam Howell anymore. It's going to be a brand new quarterback. Got to protect him. Okay. Now, here's something that's really interesting. There's, there's a nice synergy for Coach Bicknell coming in. Why? Well, because in his tenure at Ole Miss, he and Coach Phil Longo, who is Carolina's offensive coordinator now, spent two seasons coaching together in Oxford, Mississippi. And so hopefully there's already a good rapport there, and these two guys know what they're doing. They speak the same language and can bring this offensive line unit together. Uh, I know it's hard for these young men to lose their position coach the day before spring practice starts, but hopefully they'll be able to rally together. Maybe, maybe it can be one of those moments where it's just like, hey, we got to be all in on this thing. The biggest takeaway from all of it is this. I can't overstate enough the importance of the offensive line coach role and this position group in the 2022 football season. Why is that? Well, as I just said, you're going to have a brand new quarterback who you got to find a way to keep upright because he's not going to have the moxie and experience of Sam Howell. 
you've got some running backs with reps, but at this point, you've got no identified bell cow. There's no Javante Williams. There's no Michael Carter. Uh, you got to figure it out. And, and maybe British Brooks can keep building on what he did at the end of the season, but, but we don't know that yet. And then in terms of receivers, right, the line's got to give time to whomever this quarterback is that wins out the quarterback battle. You got Josh Downs and you got Antoine Green. You know, I mean, like we've got some other guys, but it's it's Josh Downs. And then we got to find some more guys to be out there. All this to say, Coach Bicknell's going to come in with a huge opportunity, but with a very heavy weight. Likely, we're not we're not going to get any real sense of where things are at with the offensive line at, in this spring session. Again, remember yesterday I said, do not overreact to what's going on in spring football practice. Sure, it's fun to speculate, but just, just be patient. Um, we're not going to know this spring what's going on with the offensive line, but come fall, we should have a really good idea of where things are at. So there's going to be a lot of speculation this summer. What's going on? How will the offensive look under Coach Bicknell? We're going to have to wait and see. And so I hope you see the growth of these crazy storylines. Storylines. There's a whole bunch of new surrounding the 2022 Tar Heel football team. It's exciting, but it's also nerve-wracking. What's this defense going to look like? What's this offensive line going to look like under a new coach? Who's going to be our quarterback? Who will be the best running back? Can Josh Downs get some help? Can Cedric Gray continue to be a stud on defense and bring some other guys around him? But what's the defense going to look like without Jeremiah Gimmel? And on and on and on. There's a lot of unknown. And we're just going to have to wait and see. Will all these various entities come together? We're going to find out all in due time. <laughs> that is it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Please go subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're going to watch it, please, even if you're not going to watch it, go subscribe on YouTube. It will help us out big time. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. Follow me at Isaac Shade. You can see my Twitter right there. Yes, go follow it. And if you like what you're hearing, would be honored if you would go tell a friend, share the love. We can have all these conversations together. Coming up on Thursday's show, I remember a couple weeks ago, there was a lot of chatter about, man, we should have hired Wes Miller. Still thinking that today? We're going to unpack it. And we're going to get to the spring practice update that we were going to talk about today and more, all coming up on tomorrow's Locked on Tar Heels. Thank you again for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen every day. And now let me encourage you to make your second listen Locked on NFL Draft, where Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. Just like the entire Locked on Network, it's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Thanks so much for spending part of your Wednesday talking Carolina sports with me. Seriously, it means so much that you would dive in and be part of these conversations. Remember, it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Until tomorrow, peace! Peace!